Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Who is this team? Grind them out victories now? Are you kidding me? One goal wins, hanging in there, getting it done in the clutch. Oh, I'm fired up about it. I gotta tell you, nothing is making me more excited than the way this team is playing right now. Points in 15 straight games. Whew. If you can't tell, I had a coffee before I started recording, so I'm a bit jacked up right now. It's gonna be a fun show. I can't wait to talk about this club. Four games, four wins. A lot of stuff happening on the ice. Something's happening off the ice. We got a lot to get to. It's going to be a real fun episode today. The social media question for the week was a fun one, too. We're talking about X-Factors. We got your thoughts on who you think the X-Factor is going to be for this team going forward. We'll talk about it as we welcome you in to Believe in Avalanche here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. You can follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Eric underscore Pesolano. Also posting some stuff over on TikTok as well. Eric Pesolano is the name over there. All right, let's get to it. Here's what we're going to do today. Lots to go over. Of course, we're going to recap the games like we always do. Going to look ahead to next week to see the opponents that are up on the schedule. Talk about your thoughts about who you think the X Factor is. We're going to break down the Nathan McKinnon situation against Connor Garland. Of course, that was a fun one in the first game of this new week. But how about this team being 10-3-4 now in one-goal games this year, getting it done in the clutch? Yes, I know one of them was a big lead they had that they ended up letting the other team climb back into, but that's fine. They still got the W in regulation, which is what matters. First time we've seen this team get 8 out of 8 points in regulation before... A new show airs so that is something to be very excited about because they look unstoppable now remember how high I told you my excitement level was for this team and how good I felt about them a couple weeks ago yeah it jumped up another couple notches after everything we saw in the past few days let's not waste any time let's go ahead and get right into the game recaps from last week because we have so much to go over it was that game against Arizona Last Wednesday, of course, that was the blowout game. You all saw it, how that thing got way out of hand near the end. But we start off in the first period. Of course, the Avs get that power play earlier after McKinnon was tripped by Alex Goligoski. But not much doing on the power play. You know that Achilles heel of this team shows its ugly head one more time. But it did look like the Avs had a little extra pep in their step because, of course, the fans are back at Ball Arena this was the first game they allowed any fans in to watch. Of course, it was all the frontline workers and our first responders who were able to go in and take in an Avs game for the first time in quite some time. And you could really see that they were feeding off of the crowd and all the energy that they were able to bring into the building that night. So they weren't able to score on the man advantage, but you could tell that the energy was there. And then Donskoy is able to poke home that rebound right behind Aiden Hill off that Tyson Jost shot. Jason Demers left him wide open in front, and then Sam Girard got himself a helper on that play too. So you don't mark Jonas in front, and he's going to make you pay. One of the cool things that I noticed uh, right after this play, we saw Donskoy and Landeskog go right over to the bench, pick up one of those tablets, and start going over pictures. 
even though you just scored and you broke them down, what can you do better? And how can you find that same hole in the defense in front of the net one more time? So that was a great moment there between those two veterans there, knowing that they can do even better, or at least go over and try to find where that gap in the defense is to find it one more time. Burakovsky gets the one-timer goal from Kadri on that two-on-one, so it was 27 seconds later that this happened. I don't think Donskoy and Landeskog had enough time to log into the tablet before that next goal was scored. Arizona came right back. Michael Bunting got his second career goal in just his sixth career game, and this is when the floodgates started opening. You knew it was going to be a wild night at Ball Arena after we saw those three goals occur in 37 seconds. And then after that, only 55 seconds later, P.E. Belmar had that blast through traffic on that nice drop pass there from J.T. Comfer. Jacob McDonald got a helper on that one too. So you see all four of these goals happening in a minute 32 span. Ridiculous. And guess what? It wasn't over yet. 28 seconds later, Yunus Donskoy gets his second of the night on a rebound that Aiden Hill let get away from him. And the Avs just start pouring it on here in this first period. And at that time, Aiden Hill was done for the night. But... I think we got to see a new gem in the NHL as Ivan Prosvatov came in and he was making his NHL debut in a rather unexpected time. You didn't think that he was going to get into the game this early, no matter who you were playing. <laughs> but hey, sometimes that's how it works. Hey kid, we need you in there right now. Okay. So he comes up from the AHL, sits down as the backup, and then ends up getting in the game rather quickly. So before the TV broadcast even got to the keys to the game, it ended up being 4-1 to one Colorado. And then all of a sudden, you see Arizona take a penalty. Too many men on the ice, and the Avs make them pay. Jonas Donskoy in the slot launches that one past Prosvetov on the power play. Jonas, a hat trick. 7 minutes, 31 seconds into the game. He ended up only playing about 7.5 minutes in the game in total when this was all said and done. And he got a hat trick that quickly. Ranton had found him after... Dvorak left him wide open, so there were a few times in this game where you saw Arizona were leaving guys in the burgundy and blue just unmarked, and that's going to kill you every time. Kadri nearly got a deflection to go off a defender for the sixth avalanche goal of the first period, but Prosvatov sprawling couldn't reach it because it was out of his reach and ended up back into the wall, so it stayed at 5-1. to one. You can tell at this point, abs are just two steps quicker, sharper on everything, passes are hitting, they're skating circles around the Coyotes. Jost gets called for goaltender interference not long after that. Ekman Larson gets that hooking call. Nearly a goal for Arizona after Gerard pulled the puck off the goal line. And then it ended up going to a four-on-three when Taves got called for hooking. And then it was just a penalty mess for a while. And then later on in the period, Rantanen gets called for cross-checking. Things starting to get chippy at this point. Ekman Larson scores through traffic to make it a 5-2 game. 12 different avalanche recorded a point in that opening frame. And Nathan McKinnon was not one of them. I mean, when you're getting contributions from everybody not named Nathan McKinnon, it's going to be a fun night. Second period starts. Logan O'Connor doesn't come out. Injury concerns there. Avs go right onto a power play. Because at the end of that first period, Hayden got called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. But the Avs couldn't get anything going on the power play again. Good news was, at this point in time, they had already scored a power play goal. So, of course, I wasn't as upset as I normally am couple good saves from Grubauer as the period goes on. Coyotes go back on the power play after Belmar's called for tripping. Connor Garland gets a quick turnaround off a turnover too. And now we got a game. Now it's 5-3. After all that mess in the first period, then the captain said, okay, we, we got to stop. We got to stop this mess. 
and Gabe puts it on target, and that one rings around the bars. One of my favorite types of goals in the NHL is when the puck hits the inside of the post, goes up, hits a crossbar, a cross hits the other post. At least two posts. Give me two bars on a goal. It sounds beautiful. Avs lead 6-3 at the end of two periods. And then we go to the third, and it just gets out of hand. Ranting it on the power play. Landeskog scores over Prosvetov's shoulder, making this poor kid feel terrible having to come in so quickly and dealing with the onslaught that was occurring. And then Burakovsky comes out of the box after a penalty earlier during that McKinnon and Garland tussle, and he scores. So that made it 9-3. Avs get four unanswered goals going back to the end of that second period. Avs win 9-3, outshooting the Coyotes 38-31. 14 players had a point in this game, at least one for Colorado. And at this point, Grubauer's 12th win in the month of March, which is a new team record. Three stars, Ranton in number three with a goal and an assist. Landeskog, two goals and an assist, is your number two star and your number one star. Come on, it's Jonas Donskoy with his hat trick in that first period. And of course, this was the game with the famous helmet toss. Let's talk about that for a minute. I was thinking about reserving a whole segment for it later on in the show, but I think we're going to just go ahead and dive into this right now. We'll talk about the other three games coming up in a little bit. There are things that you just cannot do. Look, I understand Connor McDavid got away with the elbow to the face, only got fined the quote-unquote maximum allowable fine of $5,000, and the same happened to Nathan McKinnon. These are things that your team leaders have got to stay away from. The big-name players are probably going to get away with murder. We get that. We don't need to see that turn into some sort of free pass for these guys. Am I upset about him tossing the helmet at Connor Garland? It's hockey. Things happen. Should he be doing stuff like that? Absolutely not. There really isn't a huge excuse for it. I don't care how you were hit. I don't care what you do. You don't throw a helmet at anybody. You don't hit somebody with a stick across the head. You don't throw a helmet at a guy. Look, just don't do it. Don't do it. You're in first place. They weren't at the time, but you were in a race for first place. Why would you jeopardize potentially getting suspended over these things? He didn't, which is great, but you don't know what they're thinking up there. Everybody knows the wildly inconsistent punishments handed out for different things across the NHL. Every time there's a suspension, somebody complains about it. Every time there's a fine, it doesn't correlate to the last one that was handed out. You don't know what the heck they're going to do up there. You got to be careful. And that's the only reason why I didn't like it and Nate needs to be better. I know he was upset. I get it. It was already a blowout. There was no need to go over and do all that mess if you're Garland. That whole, oh, we got to send a message because we're getting railed tonight thing. That's a bunch of baloney at this point in time. And maybe a little piece of that, oh, we play these teams too many times. We're sick of seeing them. Played a factor into all that. But when you're number 29 and you're on the best team in the NHL, because let's face it, they're the best team in the league right now. I don't care what anybody else is doing in any other division. This team is on fire. They're on a roll, as we'll talk about as we go on. But don't do anything to jeopardize ice time. Because all it takes is one game for you to miss to lose your momentum. We saw what happened. They really went on this streak when McKinnon came back. They weren't playing terrible when he was out for a couple games. But when he came back, it was full steam ahead. And they haven't skipped a beat since then. Do not jeopardize anything by doing something stupid. He's probably not going to do it again. It was probably a one-time thing, but don't make it a habit. That's my PSA for the day. He's never going to hear this. It's really only for your entertainment, right? <laughs> but from my perspective, 
Stay away from that mess. Let everybody else do dumb stuff. That way you can go ahead and clinch a division title. Get yourself a one seed going into the postseason. I'll leave it at that. I'm glad it just wasn't more of a punishment. Which, maybe there wasn't much to worry about anyway. The way they hand out punishments in this league. Anyway, let's move on. Blues come to town against the Avs. First time all fans allowed back at Ball Arena. Obviously not to capacity, but not limited this time to who is allowed to come in the building. Bennington, Johansson in the net for these two teams. And against the Blues, a team you haven't seen since the opening two games of the season. You worry a little bit with the backup netminder going in there. But check this out. Avs backups this year, 1-1-3 and for the Avalanche. They've only lost one time in regulation. The other four games, they were able to secure at least a point. Are the goaltenders playing bad? Mm, yeah, probably. If they're going to play awful and lose in overtime, give me that point. Because we know they're not going to play very much. Grubauer is pretty much going to get run into the ice at this point. Get a point. Get out of town. Be happy with it. My biggest concern is that the backups have only played six games to this point by the time this game was done. Because that means Gru's workload is absolutely ridiculous. And he needs some help. And we know that. We know that's going to be an issue. But they're still getting it done. Just in the meantime, in this regular season, racing for that division crown. Do what you can in the regular season. Get us a point. Also, Liam O'Brien steps into the lineup. His first game since 2017. He replaced Logan O'Connor, who was injured the game before. Val Nachushkin was out for this one. And it started off pretty good. Clifford takes that slashing penalty on O'Brien. Welcome to the lineup. Drawn a penalty. And Brandon Saad bangs away at that one in front. Able to push it past Bennington. And they went to work on that power play. Kadri and Burakovsky get the assist. Avs lead 1-0. But it was short-lived because 26 seconds later, Hoffman cut right to the front of the net. Beat Johansson short side. Shannon Perrone get the assists on that goal. And that's when you feel that little... That little tingling sensation that, great, the backup goaltender is going to give up some softies again. Later on, Tory Krug gets called for holding. They go on the power play, and Nathan McKinnon brings it to the forehand. In front, up off Bennington, and in. How about this? Avs start the game 2-for-2 two two on the power play, and Eric is in a very good mood all of a sudden. Love to see it. Landeskog gets the assists. Avs now with 8 power play goals against the Blues this season. Oh, if only they could play him 56 times, eh? Kadri takes a hooking penalty a little bit later on, but they can't get anything going. That penalty kill still dominating. Bennington makes a couple big stops in the last minute to keep it a one-goal game. It's 2-1 Avs after one. 20 seconds into the second period, Ryan O'Reilly drills the post. And you know, actually the Blues hit a post on their power play near the end of the first period too. So look at this. A little puck luck changing for Colorado. They were winning without it, hitting all those posts. Now you see the other team do it. Boy, things are really starting to swing in the right direction. Avs get a couple of power plays, one after too many men for St. Louis, but then the Avs hit two posts on that power play and can't score, so good execution, just couldn't finish. Scandella gets called for tripping. Rantanen had a wide-open net on the backside, but he couldn't really control the puck. So 0 for 2 in that second period on the power play to that point. Blues go on the power play. They can't get anything done. Open net for them on a rebound too, but... They couldn't control the rebound with a wide open net. Avs get a break and then McKinnon. Oh my goodness, how about this? When he sprints past Scandella and beats Biddington 5-hole. I think uh, Marco needs to have a little chat with the Knights because that was his oh boy moment. <laughs> you could see it in his face too. He knew he had no shot. McKinnon certainly had a shot and gave the Avs that 3-1 to lead. 
Power play for the Avs, short-lived. Rantanen gets called for interference. They go 4-4. Four and four. And then Gerard, who apparently doesn't know the rules, tried to flip the stick of Kale McCarr back to him after he dropped it. But uh, yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Not but a minute later. Off his own rebound on a block shot. And now it's 3-2. So we got a game again. Avs able to kill off the rest of that power play eventually after the you know all those penalties evened out. And then, after Gerard came out of the box, he nearly played the puck with his foot still in the box, and he could have gotten a second penalty, but luckily he didn't touch it till he was all the way out. And everything was okay there. So we go to the third period, it's 3-2. to two, Nothing doing the entire frame. And the Avs, near the end, get a huge stop from Johansson to make it a victory for the Avs. The kid gets the job done. Avs win 3-2. First win for Johansson with the Avalanche. Stopped 25 of 27 in the victory. Landeskog, couple of assists. He's our number two star and your number one star. It's Nathan McKinnon. He scored two of those three goals to give the Avs a victory. So the streak continues. They win those two games. Let's move ahead to the second one against St. Louis. This time, Ville Husso in net for St. Louis. And he was absolutely magnificent in this contest. But so was Philip Grubauer, because early on, his defense didn't really do much in front of him, but he was able to make a couple big saves, and you knew he was going to be in a mode for this one. He got a night off, his team got a win while he wasn't there. I'm sure he loves that just as much as he does getting the night off. Rantanen had a breakaway early, and that one went high over the net on the backhand. McKinnon, a 90-foot pass right down the ice. This kid, and he can do it all. And yeah, I keep calling all these guys kids because they're all younger than me. I don't care if it's by a year or more. Just know that that's going to be a thing. Avs go to the power play after Bozak gets called for tripping. But they're unable to score. And as a matter of fact, the Blues had a shorthanded opportunity. But were unable to capitalize. Avs do get a goal a little bit later on as McKinnon again turns on the Jets. And roofs it. After Landeskog sprung him wide open down the middle. Another great outlet pass. Something this team is getting better at. Earlier in the year, they were trying to force a lot of passes in the middle and between traffic. Now they're trying to do it in the middle of the ice, through the neutral zone, over a couple of lines, which is now legal. That makes it great. Open up that game a little bit. So the Avs get that goal to make it one nothing. A couple of power play chances for each team and O'Reilly. As soon as the power play expires, gets in a scrum in front of the net and is able to push one in to even it up at one after one. They start the second period. With Taves putting a puck over the glass, and the Avs are able to kill it off. And then a couple of mistakes by St. Louis to give the Avs a 5-on-3. And then my frustrations returned because they couldn't score on it, nor could they score on the regular power play. McCarr had a good read to break up a 2-on-1 defensively, which is something you like to see those little things in tight games that are starting to show their head here over the last couple of nights. Blues bring it hard in that second period, but the Avs are doing everything they can to neutralize. And those are the kind of things that really do make you championship tough. Getting it done when the game is close. You're not playing well. The other team's coming at you hard and you just do a little thing right here and a little thing right there to break up some plays. And then they start really pushing back in front on Huso, but he wouldn't back down either. And there were no goals scored in that second period. So we're 1-1 going to the third. First four minutes, pretty neutral. Nobody could really break through and do much. Kadri gets called for goaltender interference as he got bowled over Huso in front, who still somehow managed to keep the puck out. And the Avs killed it off no problem. 
Both teams have had some chances in that third period, but the goaltending and the defense was just really on point in this one, as evidenced by the low score. And then 41 seconds left, Kale McCarr gets his shot deflected, and it ends up in the back of the net. Lots of things happening on this play. We saw McKinnon blaze to the blue line and dump it around to keep it in. Rantanen battled along the wall on the far side, forced that rushed clear attempt there by O'Reilly, who just threw it off the boards. Looked like he had a little bit more time than he realized to clear that one out. And he didn't get a whole lot on it either. McCarr came racing in from the far side at the point to hold it in and just fired it on target. And boom, just like that. They're up 2-1. to one. Blues go empty net. Can't get a chance. Avs win 2-1. to one. 14 game point streak at this point for the team. More importantly, they win both games against St. Louis in regulation. And that's what you got to do. You want to beat them twice, sure. Beat them in regulation both times. And that's just an added bonus. And the slide for the Blues continues. Avs at this point, 31 of 38 points recorded in their last 19 games, 14-2-3 over that span. Three stars, Nate McKinnon for me was the number three star with his goal. With the game winner, Kale is your number two star. And the number one star, Philip Grubauer, stopping 27-28, ended up being the star of the month in the Honda NHL West Division. So congratulations to him, well-deserved. Team continues to roll. Let's move ahead to the final game of the week which you saw on Monday night against the Minnesota Wild. They go to XL Energy Center. Fans allowed back in the building in Minnesota. About 3,000 fans or so. And this is where we see Kyle Burrows make his NHL debut with Dan Renuff out of the lineup. And this kid wasn't backing down. Let me tell you. You all saw it. We'll talk about it in a second. This is the first of two against the Wild, which will wrap up the season series. They'll finish things up on Wednesday night. Grubauer and Talbot in this one. They started off pretty neutral, just like the Blues game started out. Both teams going back and forth. Grubauer made a couple saves to kind of get into a groove. Taves gets called for interference. Wild, 30th ranked power play entering this game. They get nothing going. Spurgeon had nothing but twine and banged it off the post on that rebound over on the far side. Looked like an easy layup, and he just whiffed on it. Grubauer gets rushed a few times. He has to scramble, but able to keep it out. A little bit later in the period, and then shortly after that, Hartman was left wide open in the middle, backhanded one inside the far post, and the Wild, at this point in time, have all the momentum in this first period after Bugstad and Johansson helped him out with the assists, and it's one nothing Minnesota. Avs looked good in transition. Donskoy had a wide-open chance, and by wide open, I mean nobody was covering him, not that the net was wide open. But he fired it up over the top of the net. Probably the best chance to this point for Colorado. Burroughs did have a turnover in the offensive zone. He had his head up, fanned on the pass, almost led to a breakaway. A little bit later on, Burroughs racing back to try to beat Fiala to get an icing call. Couldn't do it. Fiala beat him. A couple rough moments for the kid in the first period. He'd make up for it later. A little slip pass in front later on. McKinnon finding McCarr. Got it to Miko. But Talbot squared it up and he looked good in that first period too. Second line, though, came out. Brought some energy with about two and a half minutes left in the first period, which I really think turned the tide of this game. Second line needed to get things going. This is one way to do it. Sometimes it's not just getting tallies up on the board to get the team fired up. Just go out there, play hard, know your role, get everybody else moving. They were outshot by five in that first period, 11-6. to six. But the second period came along, 18 seconds in. Nathan McKinnon again, turning on the Jets, takes the perfect pass from Girard. 
You've seen replays of it. Another long stretch pass through traffic. All the way to the net goes Nate, and he blasts one by Talbot. Secondary assist for Taves on the play again, and all I wrote down in my notes was, my goodness, 14th goal of the year for Nate, and right like that, it's a 1-1 game. And now you can really feel things turning the other direction because Burakovsky was able to push in a rebound after Talbot made a real big mistake. Gerard's initial shot earns him the assist on that play. Avs up 2-1. They score twice in 1 minute and 11 seconds. Avs take a couple of penalties. The holding for McDonald. Then the, you know, I still think it's one of the dumbest things you can do in this sport. Take a too many men on the ice penalty. And that's what they did. McGrubauer able to stand tall. Made a big stop on that power play. And then there was a scrum in front a little bit later on that he was able to keep out of the net. Nachushkin was back in the lineup for this game. He was working hard down low after having some rest. Rantanen, we see him using that big frame, fighting off defenders and being able to get two cracks at the can. So the physical aspect really starting to show. It's not going to show up on the hits part of the scoreboard. It's going to show up in how well you can fend off a defender who is on top of you, trying to get you off the puck. That's where this team is able to thrive. Body control. Comfort had a slot chance. He was robbed by Talbot. And again, these... Opposing goaltenders in this division start to step up again. Gosh, I hope that trend doesn't come back. Avs start to grind away. They had a couple possessions in which everybody touched the puck within the first three to four seconds of entering the offensive zone. And that's how you're going to space out the defense and find those soft spots that Donskoy and Landeskog were looking for back in the Arizona game. So, good work there by the club. And then Saad able to clean up a rebound. Three unanswered goals for Colorado in the second period to take a big lead. Not too much longer later, Comfer gets a piece of a Kale McCarr drive that deflects off a skate, buckles in the air, one of those knucklers that goaltenders have so much trouble with, and Talbot is just in shambles at this point. First period, second period, night and day. It was all Minnesota in that first one. Avs come back and grab it by the horns in that second period. Avs lead 4-1 after two. We go to the third. Penalty from Ranson at the end of the period carried over that cross check, but Nothing doing for Minnesota. Then we see Landeskog and Dumba get into it after there was an offside call. And this is where things are really starting to get chippy. We saw Arizona do it. Now we're seeing Minnesota do it. Against St. Louis, things were getting a little rough. They're starting to get that target on their back. Teams are going to come after them a lot more now. Keep an eye on this going forward. Minnesota scores. Bukestag basically gets an empty netter after Hartman fans on a shot. Really heads up play there by Hartman who poked it over to his teammate. That was a real good heads up. And now it's a two-goal game again. And then Hartman gets called for boarding. First power play of the game for the Avs here, all the way in the third period. I'm not making any comments about the officials. I'll let you guys do that in the comments, and I love to read them, so keep that up. <laughs> Organized power play, uh, nothing doing for the Avs. However, they get another chance a little bit later on. They get more power play work, and then Landeskog able to redirect one in from Ranton and McKinnon as they go tic-tac-toe to get the puck in front way too quick. For Minnesota to keep up with. And that's the organization you like to see. O'Brien gets called for tripping. Fifth power play of the game for Minnesota. And Johansson throws it in front off of Taves. Suter's initial shot got deflected. Right to Johansson. And now it's a two goal game again. And then this is where things get fun. Kyle Burrows gets into it with Bukestad. And Kyle wasn't messing around. Bukestad wanted to go after him. He said fine. Let's go. And he threw him around. He absolutely threw Nick Bukestad around. What a sight. 
You're going to challenge a rookie who's a lot smaller than you just to get inside his head? Yeah, that didn't work. Seems like it went the other way on that one. But we get back to play. Talbot makes another great save, this time with a glove. Spurgeon broke up a two-on-one. The Avs really had a great opportunity, but he was able to slide down and knock it away. And then with a little bit more than two minutes left, Talbot leaves the net, has to come back in after a whistle. Graves gets called for interference, so the Wild go empty net again to make it a six-on-four. And there was a flurry for a while, but they couldn't quite clear it out. And eventually Fiala, from the point, through a screen, great screen in front, was able to put one home. Spurgeon got the helper. And now it's 5-4. So we go from 4-2 and 5-3. Now it's 5-4. They get to within one. But very, very late. They call their timeout with 34 seconds left. And then Bonino gets called for that slashing. It was actually a hook that probably should have been called on the Avs there too. But I know everybody said there was about five or six other calls that could have been made on Minnesota during that play. So they end up going with just the Bonino slashing. And that's pretty much it. And then at the end of the game, when that final horn sounded, the two teams got together and scrapped it up a little bit exchanging pleasantries for their final meeting coming up on Wednesday night. But the Avs win 5-4, outshoot the Wild 36-25. One for three on the power play, I'll take that. If you only get three chances and you score once, hey, you did what you could with it. So 15 straight games with a point. They outscored their opponents 67-28 to over that span, have the Avs, and got 33 of 40 points over their last 20 games, now have won five in a row, Three in a row at XL Energy Center against the Wild. And Grubauer sets the franchise record for consecutive games with a point in between the pipes. That's now 13 for the Avs netminder. Three stars of the game for this one. I gave it to Burakovsky with a goal and the assist at number three. Sam Girard number two with a couple of assists. And Nate McKinnon again with a goal and an assist. So with that being said, let's take a quick look at the standings. Now remember, this is entering the games on Tuesday evening. Colorado, top of the West, 56 points with 38 games played. Vegas has 52 points with 37 games played. You know my rule. I look at the extra game at hand as an automatic victory for the team who has it. So Vegas, if you put them at 38 games, that bumps them up to 54 points. You still got them by a win. You got them by a win. You want to keep extending that, duh. That was the most obvious thing I could have said, but you get it. But when you look at it that way, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. The only thing that would concern me, if I have to be the devil's advocate here, is it took that long of a point streak to get just two points ahead, or in this case, four points ahead, of Vegas. So still a lot of work to go. They still have two more against the Knights later on in the regular season, and those two are going to be massive. Could decide the division. You never know. Minnesota, 48 points through 37 games played. So there's still about three wins behind Colorado. Three games, if you will. Arizona is four. San Jose, five. St. Louis drops all the way down to sixth. And then LA and Anaheim bringing it up the rear. But the Blues sliding after having a very rough week. Right now, they're way on the outside, looking in five points behind Arizona for that final playoff spot. They do have a game at hand against the Coyotes, but that's not a lot. And San Jose has a game at hand on St. Louis, and they were tied in points. Long way to go for the Blues. We thought Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, St. Louis would be the four playoff teams. Now it's looking like maybe not the Blues. Maybe Arizona or San Jose can sneak in there. Right now, Coyote's looking pretty good. What is it with that Arizona team? They're getting it done against those lower teams because when they come and play the big boys, it just doesn't seem like it's there. But they're scrapping, and they're hanging in there. 
overall in the entire league. Avs, 56 points, tied for the most with Florida, who has played two more games. So the Avs do have the tiebreaker there in points percentage. They got the best record, y'all. They're the best team in the league right now. Still a long way to go. Many more games to play. 18, to be exact. And remember, four more of those are against St. Louis this month, so that's got to be a good sign. <laughs> Maybe there's some easy points to be earned there. But there's no easy points in the NHL. We know that. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. You can follow along with the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric underscore Pesolano. I'm over on TikTok as well. Eric Pesolano is the name. Check out what we got going on for you on social media. Going to keep asking some poll questions to get your thoughts. This week, who is the X factor for this team going forward? And I gave four options. I gave four options for a reason. A lot of people chimed in. And I want to thank everybody who did submit a comment. Some of you didn't pick any of the four that I put on there. Well, I put those four for a reason. A lot of people said Grubauer. A lot of people said it starts and ends with McKinnon. Captain Landeskog. Well, we know that. Those are the guys who are going to be your main go-tos. I'm not arguing that at all. But X-Factor. Who's the person who doesn't live in the spotlight that the Avs need to have step up to bring home Lord Stanley? Here are your four options. Jonas Donskoy. Andre Burakovsky, Valerie Nachushkin, or Nazem Kadri. Good conversation on social media, and I appreciate everybody's submissions. Like I said, I want to read a couple of them here and hear what you think. Chad Lauer says, Kadri plays different in the playoffs, but Donskoy has been amazing lately. I think Nachushkin could be if he could keep his confidence up. When he plays with heart, he's great. All of our guys are great, and I'd love to see this team take a cup home. You know, I, I, I can't agree more with that. I love how you put in a couple of tidbits there for a couple different guys. I agree on all fronts, especially Nachushkin playing with confidence because you can tell with him that there are times when he gets down on himself if he has a breakaway or has a good scoring chance and doesn't convert. Then you don't hear from him for a few shifts or you don't hear from him for the rest of the game and then it's got to take till the next time to get him going again. So that's a good point. Kadri, good point about him too. He is very different in the playoffs. He's had a lot of experience with Toronto. Hasn't quite got all the way to the finish line, but has seen postseason action. That's pretty big, too. This one was probably my favorite response out of all of them. I love all your responses, don't get me wrong, but Alan Fair submitted this one. He says, that's a loaded question and a lot to digest there. <laughs> and you're right. You're right, Alan. I, <laughs> I did really throw out four guys there that really could be the answer to the question, but I wanted you to pick one, but you gave me reasons for all of them. You think Donskoy and Nuke are actually hitting their stride. They have great line chemistry. And you think they're doing what they need to be. But Kadri and Berkey right now, not so much. So those are the guys you want to see step up. Just like Chad said, Kadri shows up in the playoffs, and we know that. But he's been pretty inconsistent all season, that is true. As for Berkey, well, when he's on, he's a top-level scorer. We need his production on that second line. I think he gets my vote for X-Factor. Because if he's on, it literally means he's sniping goals. All right, there you go. Andre Burakovsky outlook there. First of all, the best word you used in that entire thing was we. We need his production. I've said it before. I say we like we're part of the team because darn it, we are part of the team. We support him. We're definitely part of the team. Great usage of the word we there, Alan. I love it. Robert O'Hare says, and this one was not on the list, 
He says the biggest X factor, in his opinion, will be Ryan Graves, mostly because each of the guys on the list will get theirs. He has no doubt about that. The question is whether our guys can stay healthy and aggressive in a seven-game series, and I think a guy like Graves stepping up is what they need to get where we want them to go. Ryan Graves has taken his absolute fair share of criticism this season, and we know that he's a top-level player. I agree with you, Robert. I, re I really do. He does need to step up. I love when you guys submit answers that are not within the question because it makes me think about things a little bit differently. I picked four guys, and you go out there and throw a defenseman that I didn't consider putting defensemen on the list, but sometimes guys back there, they make a team better when they're scoring a ton of goals the way they do. Yeah, he can set some stuff up from back there, but it's not always about scoring a ton of goals, especially in the playoffs. You're not going to let everybody up 5-6-2 to two every game. You're going to need a guy like Graves to step up. So, Robert, well done. And Far Out Far says the X factor is that our team has gelled and have each other's backs. Everyone is accountable and productive. The X factor is we are a team with a common goal. That's getting philosophical on us, Far Out. That is way philosophical. A little existential if you think about it. We're a team. That's what it takes. It takes all those guys coming together and getting it done throughout the postseason. That's a given. But not all those teams have that going into the postseason. They may not have the entire team chemistry the way this team does. And that could be the determining factor. Christopher Waddle chimed in too. He said, of the four in question, Donskoy is the X factor. He is on a hot streak, but has scored a third of his career points with the Avalanche after playing a season and a half compared to playing with the Sharks for four seasons, basically averaging three quarters of a point per game. There's a reason I left Christopher's response for last, and it's because I agree with him 150%. My pick is Donskoy. I didn't list him first because he was my choice. He was just, it was just the way I typed it out. But the reason for me, first of all, I love when people use numbers. I don't mention a ton of numbers on the show because I speak more from the heart, I guess, and more how I feel about the team rather than looking just at raw numbers because numbers are in the past. I'm a huge math guy, though, and I love numbers. I love looking at numbers, but I don't necessarily think that that determines the future. It may be the only thing we have to go by if we're trying to make predictions, and that's probably why experts get predictions wrong a lot of the time. It's because of numbers. Matchups are important, and feelings are important. Who's going to come out and feel like they want to grab this thing tonight? Who's ready to go for 60 minutes? For Donskoy, the X factor with him that I think is most important is he played for a team that didn't have all the expectations in the world to win a Stanley Cup and got that team there. He wasn't the only reason, but he was a big part of that Sharks team during his first year in the National Hockey League. They had expectations. They were not the favorite favorites, which I'm not sure the Avs are quite yet because everybody's still gushing over teams that are a little bit further east and, of course, Vegas, who's a little bit further west. You look at Burakovsky, he was on a team that won a Stanley Cup over those Vegas Golden Knights. He wasn't the main contributor. Neither is Donskoy. But that Capitals team had a lot more people riding their wave than do the Avalanche right now. So Donskoy finds himself in a very similar situation to that 15-16 Sharks team that went and played the Pittsburgh Penguins. They didn't win the Cup, but they got that far with the team who was good enough to get there if they came together and put all the pieces together. Washington, yeah, you have to put all the pieces together to win a cup, 
but you can have some missteps along the way when you were that good. Luckily for them, they didn't. But Burakovsky wasn't going to be the big-time voice to go to, just like Donskoy. So you look at Burakovsky and Donskoy a little bit more similar, but Jonas is the guy who's probably more vocal than Andre. Give me Burakovsky at number two for the same reasons. Not so much on numbers, but more on guys who will go out there and show what a team like this needs to do to get to the Stanley Cup Final and raise it in the end. Pittsburgh was a much better team against San Jose than A, Vegas was against Washington, and B, any other team is going to be this year against Colorado. That's just the way I feel about it. Let me know what you think about my assessment. I didn't give it on the social media when I asked the question, but now you can go back, comment on Twitter, and let me know. At Believe in Avs. B-L-E-A-V in Avs. Tell me about it. Or you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let me know how you feel about my assessment about Jonas Donskoy being the X-Factor needed to win the Stanley Cup. Let's take a look ahead to next week. Four games on the schedule, of course, Wednesday. The Minnesota Wild again will host the Avalanche. Final meeting between the two teams this season. About 3,000 fans will be in attendance. And then Friday, Avs head out to Southern California right in my backyard to take on the Anaheim Ducks. No fans yet allowed in Southern California. Honda Center won't be open to the public until April 16th, so they will not experience that down here against the Ducks. And then a 4 o'clock matinee game on Sunday in Anaheim as well. Monday night, they'll be back home at Ball Arena to take on the Arizona Coyotes, where, of course, fans will be back in the stands. We know that. So there's the outlook for the four games this week. Wednesday game at 7, Mountain Time Friday at 8, Sunday at 4, Monday at 7, at Minnesota, at Anaheim, at Anaheim versus Arizona. And before we get out of here, let's go out on a lighter note. Guess who's on the way? Everyone was clamoring for it. Now it looks like it may be a reality. Alex Newhook and Sampo Ranta have both signed entry-level contracts with the Colorado Avalanche. They're both going to the American Hockey League to join the Eagles immediately. Could we see them at any point down the stretch? I talked about it a little bit last week. I would hope not. They don't need to get up there just now. Let them get settled into the professional life for a little bit before they get called up. Kale, different ball game. They really needed a defenseman. We saw all that mess. Up front for the forwards and the centers, everything's good. Everything's fine. Look what happened in Anaheim. They called up Zegras, had him play wing for a while. Now they've sent him back down because they think he's progressed enough to move him to center. They want him to play some games at center down in San Diego before he comes back up to try to play center for the Ducks. Avs have the luxury of not needing to do that with these two guys. They don't have to come up right away. No reason to rush them through this process when the big club is doing so well. Leave them be. You want to get them a game or two in? That's fine. Don't make it extended. Keep it an abbreviated stay. Doesn't need to go any further than that. So they're on the way. And then a late round draft pick too. Nate Clerman, who is the captain at Notre Dame for the Fighting Irish. He has joined the Eagles as well, or at least will sometime soon. He's just the second Colorado-born player to be drafted by the Avalanche. J.D. Corbin in 2004 was the other. So congratulations to those three guys who have signed deals with the club. Hopefully we'll see you soon, but not too soon. That's going to do it for today's episode of Believe in Avalanche. Thanks so much again for submitting 
your responses to our poll question. We'll have another one coming up next week. Love to hear your thoughts. Remember to head over to Twitter and follow at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs to submit some of your responses. We got poll questions on Twitter. We got them going on on Facebook as well. Instagram is another outlet we like to use. You can follow me at Eric underscore Pesolano on Twitter and Instagram. I'll talk to you on the social media when we put up a poll question for next week. Haven't decided what it is yet. We'll think of something good here with only 18 games remaining in the regular season before it becomes playoff time. It may not be right around the corner, but it's right around the corner and we're looking forward to it. You've been listening to Believe in Avalanche right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We will talk to you next week, everybody. Go Avs, go! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.